Hi, this is Matt Stagliano, and thanks for being part of the Artist Forge. We're a community of creatives who help each other think like an artist by discussing creativity as a process instead of a skill or a talent. We believe everyone has what it takes to create something amazing, we just need some encouragement and inspiration along the way. What you're about to hear is a live recording of one of our daily discussions on the Clubhouse app. If you like what you hear, I encourage you to join our private Facebook group or visit us on the web at theartistforge.com. Now on to the show. All right, welcome everybody to Morning Walk and Business Talk with the Artist Forge. My name is Nicole York, I'm your host, and I'm super excited to be with you this morning, especially after yesterday's conversation, which was a little bit rougher. But today we're jumping back into business and we are going to talk about marketing. So as we've been slowly building the structure of our business, we have talked about philosophy of business. We've talked about our why we've talked about the kind of broad pillars that support the structure of the business we're building. And today we're talking about the marketing pillar and very specifically how we find and target the right clients for the kind of business we want to run, kind of services we want to provide, all that good jazz. So what better thing to do than rely upon our local business guru, <laughs> the amazing Cat Ford Coates. Um, so Cat is gonna be driving today and kind of walking us through the things that we need to keep in mind, the steps that we need to take, etc., to find the right clients for our particular businesses. And of course, we're gonna have discussion and questions along the way, but I wanna turn it over to you, Miss Lady, and say thanks for driving this conversation. Can't wait to hear all the amazing stuff we're gonna learn today about marketing. And I get to drive the bus while I'm driving the car, but that's only for like two minutes, so it's fine. Um, yeah, no, I really enjoy marketing, and I think once I sort of realized that everything falls under that purview that is audience facing, um, the easier it was for me to map out how I wanted to leverage each of those opportunities, right? So whether that is like networking events, everybody's like, oh, I hate networking, I hate networking. But then they go to a Christmas party and they're hanging out with their friends and family. It's the same thing. Um, only it's, you know, typically with strangers, or maybe you only know one or two people in the room. And then any marketing that you might do online, whether that's paid advertising or, you know, a post, even a post on your personal profile when you are running a business is considered marketing because your audience is there. Um, and so understanding how to sort of be creative in that space allows you to get out from the oh my God, I hate marketing. It's so bad. Nothing's working to, oh, okay. Well, what's getting bounce and from where? So I would be curious um, for the mods on the panel, like what are some of the ways that you marketed your business in the beginning and as things sort of developed, um, as your businesses grew, how you were able to kind of dial in on, you know, what was working and what wasn't and what shifts you had to make within yourself to make those either more successful or to simply walk away from that aspect entirely. I was not good at the beginning and I'm moderately okay at it now. But the big difference in between is the fact that I was able to actually find who I was and who I wanted to be in the business, right? So at the, be at the beginning, I thought I had to market like everybody else and tell the same story and use all the right buzzwords. And then as I developed my own voice, not only in my photography, but how I wanted to run my business, I, I began to market differently. Um, knowing that I was just growing in confidence, I didn't have to hide behind words. I could actually talk about what it was that I was offering very confidently. So now, you know, as it grew, I went from being very nervous in networking opportunities or even just, you know, talking to my friends about what I did as that confidence grew in the business, it became much easier to market because I was just talking about what I love to do. And that was the big thing for me is finding what I love to do and then just talking about it online like I would talk about it to any of my friends. And that was really the evolution of how I've been marketing. Do I still get caught up in 
you know, oh, I have to say this or I have to be professional. Or I have to sound like this. Those never resonate the same way. Just being open and vulnerable and talking about all the things that I talk about that always has much better um, returns for my business by connecting with people authentically than it is using any sort of marketing strategy that I would buy off the shelf. I think what's interesting about that, Matt, is you made the correlation between as my confidence grew and I was able to sort of shift those strategies, right? It's kind of like developing your style as an artist, what doesn't matter, like the medium, right? But as your art grows, your style evolves. And the same thing is true for marketing. Uh, we all sort of come into it when we found like a particular mentor or a teacher. Where work grows and that confidence builds, we're able to evolve that verbiage or that style into our own. Uh, and I think when you're able to look at it like that, that allows you to grow faster, like you build momentum. Yeah, totally. I, I see it all coming from the same place, right? You're growing as an artist, you're growing as a business person. And it all, you know, it all feeds off each other. That's the way that I see it. And uh, yeah, I think you're totally right. It's been, it's been quite an evolution, though, um, going from the beginning to where I am now with still an infinite road ahead of me. Oh, for sure. You know, I know when um, I first found Sue and I started studying under Sue Bryce in 2015, and I would literally take the same verbiage over and over again and be like magazine portraits, contemporary style portraits, da 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 da. And now that has evolved into me being able to define particular things based on the demographic that I'm speaking to and make those words my own because my mindset shifted in order to be able to create that, the simplistic verbiage. And I think falling into the simplicity of how you speak about your work, like you said, when you were having conversations about what you do, that went from, you know, like the building blocks of XYZ into you being able to speak about it with enthusiasm and kind of dial in on what you wanted to convey. Uh, I think that's really powerful. Ooh, I think it's so interesting that you guys both, you just mentioned, um, you know, the wording that you choose because it's interesting when we don't know much about our clients and we choose words that we think are great and then we realize later on that we could have chosen words that would much better convey the same sense of meaning to those people. Um, and it's, it's interesting to actually watch it change in real time. And I'm going to, I'll explain this from a book perspective. So um, the first two covers that I had on both my first two novels um, were things that I liked, but really actually did not represent the kinds of promises that the book was making to the reader. Um, by that, I mean, when you look at a book cover, it generally should give you an idea about what is inside the book, right? And um, not necessarily be a pretty piece of art and something you like, which is kind of what I wanted to do. Uh, I didn't realize that I was missing the opportunity to make a promise to the type of reader who would actually read my book because I needed something that was within the genre standard, something that they could understand represented what they were looking for without having to do any additional work. And so now when you look at like things on Amazon bestseller list, you'll see stuff like recommended by TikTok and uh, other things that were not there last year or the year before last. And it's amazing how the better we start to understand the landscape of the marketplace, the more our words change and the more the way that we approach even just talking about what we do changes because I think when we get started, at least I know for me, I would try to explain things in the way that I understood them to be, you know, whatever I was trying to describe, whatever I was selling at the time. And I didn't realize that I don't have the same vocabulary as my audience. And if I was using only the kind of words that made sense to me, I might be leaving out an entire subset of people who, uh, who would want to buy my services. So it's crazy how much choosing the right copy can make a difference. I think uh, 
I, I like that a lot. And I've actually been the person in the bookstore that has put books down when the inside jacket is really just like blurbs and testimonials from critics that I've never heard of or care about, right? Instead of, you know, like an introduction to whatever. Um, and the other piece that you mentioned too is what is your promise to your audience? So one of the things that we've been talking about, right, as we're going through building this business plan, right, is understanding what your, your mission and your value statements are. And typically in business plans, the mission is the last thing that's written. Uh, you sort of build out the business plan and all of the, the black and white building blocks, and then you take a bird's eye view of all of those things and determine like, okay, what is the actual mission of this? And how can I tailor everything that's in this plan to make sure that that mission is met. Uh, oh, sorry, my dad's talking to his dog. <laughs> uh, hey, Dobby. Um, but understanding what your promise is to your clients um, is going to determine how you shift and move through all of the marketing that you do, whether that is in person or online. Uh, and so understanding what that promise looks like can be the place that you go when you're drawing a blank. And a really great exercise that I found works really well for me in doing that is to take a piece of that promise, right? Whether that for me is legacy, right? Or confidence or, you know, insert thing here at the center and draw a circle around it. And then around that circle, you know, you're going to draw other words that come to mind that support that topic, right? So if it's legacy, then I might also write family or heirloom, things like that. And then you go in, once you've sort of come up with six or seven different bubbles around that, that center point, then you kind of write through other things that fall under that, those subtopics. And when your brain kind of gets going, because that's a very like artist's kind of way to thinking in, in a left brain state, allows you to sort of come up with those subtopics. And each of those subtopics will give you ideas and opportunities to, to build on. Oh, he's fine. Okay. He can stay. Yeah, if you want to um, look up examples of this online, um, sometimes they're also called word clouds. And and Kat is right. This is a really, really cool exercise that can help you narrow down and kind of, let's say, if you're running a campaign, you want to run more than one version. Hey, guys, if you're running a campaign, you want to run more than one version of the campaign because you want to initially test them out and find out which is going to test better and then start using the one that tests better. You can do A, B and just use two, um, or you can use more than two if you have the funding to do that. But your initial period should kind of be a testing out period. So you can go and look at the statistics that you're getting from that paid advertisement and then alter things so you can actually make the most of your money. So um, yeah, have a look at word clouds and then think about that when writing copy, which isn't entirely like, we could do an entire probably week on copywriting because it's kind of a big thing, but um, do that and then make sure that you're running more than one version <laughs> of your ads. Test those things in all ways. So what else guys, um, back to Kat's original question. What are some of the things you started out with? What are some of the things that you learned about Mark? Well, don't be shy. I feel like for me, I started in this space of like, I think how everybody does, I'm going to post my work on social media and then the masses will just come running and stampeding and cause that's all it takes. Right. Um, and I think, uh, something that I learned early on, and this, this goes to what you were just saying, uh, a little while ago, Nicole is one, I, I had to learn to play to the things that I'm good at. I have always said, you put me in a room and I'll probably sell you anything. But that digital space, like, although I don't mind writing, I really like writing, it just doesn't translate to me. And also, um, I think that for me, you know, my ever growing 
uh, annoyance with the digital space. It just felt wrong. Um, and then also, I think I had to come to terms with it. There's a lot of old school stuff that I like, as we've talked about everything from fountain pens to straight razoring. Um, I just enjoy some older things. So when I transferred that into marketing, it worked far, far better for me. Uh, much more time consuming probably because I needed to go to events and be around the people who uh, I was potentially going to purchase products from me. And I, but I also forced myself into some situations. Um, and then as you were saying a second ago, I also have spent a tremendous amount of time if I'm going to go pitch a location in learning the verbiage that those people speak and what's important to them in their business so that when I'm talking to them, I sound like I am amongst them. Uh, like I really get your business. I don't really probably understand the intricacies of it, uh, but I at least have a, a general working vocabulary to say like, these are the things I've noticed. I've done some trends analysis for you, for your business and seen what other people in your marketplace are doing. And this is why I'm making the suggestions that I'm making. So um, I used to shoot a lot of like branding content for real estate agents. Um, I grew up the son of a real estate agent. So that was, you know, a fairly easy jump in something I was super familiar with. Um, I've done a lot of branding work for churches and stuff. Again, my dad's a pastor. That was an easy fit to be like, I understand your world. So meeting people in their industry, but also spending some time and understanding their industry, I think is massively critical because then you, you speak their isms um, and you're able to say like, hey, this is what your audience will resonate with and be able to say it with some amount of confidence because you've done your homework in it. And then again, like just showing up where those people are instead of expecting them to come to you. So when I started shooting for uh, the magazine and that's kind of our regional magazine here, I went to one of their launch parties. I went straight up to the owner and was just like, why don't I shoot for you? Um, and the first thing she said to me was, well, you're too expensive. Um, I'm like, well, that's a huge assumption. And I just kind of called her out on it. And then we started up a conversation and then we became friends and lo and behold, I started shooting for her magazine, but that's, you know, going out to where the people are versus sitting there waiting for the people. I really like that, David, and understanding, like, even if we're just kind of dialing in on more from a branding perspective, right, going to those businesses that you can connect with and build relationships and doing a little legwork ahead of time, understand what their pain points are. Uh, because at the end of the day, all of the marketing that you're going to do, whether that is in person or online needs to be based on you being a solution for a problem. Even if that problem is personal or one that they're not even really aware of until you tell them, right? Like, Oh, other people experience this too, or understanding in their, it, the things that they are wanting to accomplish, but maybe they don't really know how to do that. And you being the solution for it and putting yourself directly in front of them. Like, yeah, that's just like. I think I started out pretty much exactly the same way as you did, David. Um, just thinking like, if I have a Facebook and an Instagram, Actually, Instagram wasn't really a thing at that time, but just like, if I have it, if I build it, they will come, which is the biggest lie. <laughs> Why do they tell you that? Um, so, and just to be clear, my journey is probably not, is not common, obviously, because I've moved several times. I've had to reinvent and re-try to establish myself several times. And it has been really a journey of discovery um, however, initially, that was my mistake, just thinking if I throw stuff out to the world, uh, people will buy it. And then also, I would design my own ads, which were so bad, y'all. Like, they were just, oh, from a graphic design perspective, complete pookie. So, um, and then I would make them and I would put them up and ask people to share them, but I would never actually put any dollars behind them. 
So they would just sit there on my feed, not breaching anybody. And I also was always afraid to bug people. Like I didn't want to reshare or repost things over and over again because I thought I'm just going to get on everybody's nerves and they're not going to want to follow me anymore. So I would maybe share something once, maybe twice. And of course, as we know, that is no recommendation. Like we don't actually know who all is seeing what we post or how often they're seeing it. So there's a very good chance that they never saw it in the first place. And so I was really just kind of standing in an empty room shouting at the top of my lungs and there was nobody to hear me. So initially I was getting business through friends and acquaintances and word of mouth. And then eventually the word of mouth started to spread. And that was really the only way in the early years of my business that I was actually photographing anyone was because friends who had worked with me would tell their friends. And that's super great, but it also is really limited and it takes a long time to build. I didn't have any kind of audience base. So as I grew um, and I started recognizing the reason that people were interacting with me online, like my, my friends and my follows started to go up and I eventually finally asked people, why are you here? Um, I, I removed my family in a big way from my online presence um, because initially it was, you know, friends and family. I removed my family from my online presence once I realized that most of the people who were interested in interacting with me were from a business perspective. And then all of a sudden the whole of the content changed. And now most of the time, if I post something, even without any kind of like advertising dollars behind it, I'm gonna get enough bites to do things because when I asked them why they follow me, they told me why, for creativity and pretty photos. And so if I post something like that, I'm likely to get traction because that's why they're there. In a way, it's kind of like having my own email list, um, which I have, but um, that's a whole different story. So yeah, just recognizing and starting to tailor my presence online to be more suited toward the business aspect rather than the personal aspect. Um, that was really a, a big change for me, particularly because I'm constantly moving, which makes all of the local network building a lot more difficult and time consuming. So I tailored my online presence and that has been a really big one um, as far as being able to get enough business regularly to pay for the things I need to pay for that and then networking. Those are the two, the two big marketing shifts um, that I went through. One thing I really like is that you landed on something interpersonal as well as something online um, and really kind of digging into those two components really like, and of course there are sub chapters of each of those things. Right, but understanding that in order to market wholly, right, like the best option really is to start with a left and right, right? And online can be a passive thing when you start sort of putting dollars behind it, but doesn't have to be um, paid for. But as you, you grow, you'll find out where like you can leverage those marketing dollars so that that passive run just continues to market for you while you're out in the world and shooting and working and meeting other people and marketing on a personal level. Um, and I think too, like it works differently for each person, right? There is an alignment that you have typically with one or the other. So like Nicole, when you were able to just sort of ask your audience, like, why are you here? What is it about my poster? Da -da -da -da? Like, what do you want to see from me? gave you that information that you needed to move forward. Uh, I have 80 gajillion Instagram accounts, right? Like, and one of them's for Asheville, one of them's for Sarasota, one of them's for mentoring, and one of them is just personal. And my personal has like 20, 25% of the, the same of, of followers as my Asheville account, but gets way bigger bounce 
And I think one of the things that we, I, sorry, I was getting a phone call. One of the things that I have to keep in mind is the reason that is, is because the audience there has some kind of like aesthetic to me as a person instead of just a business. And so when I can intertwine the personal, whether it's humor or inappropriateness or all of the quirky things that make me me into my business accounts, that allows that to, that bounce to grow. Um, even if it doesn't convert immediately to a you know paid client for whatever reason, the idea is having that brand awareness work for you so that people can feel connected to the you instead of just the house of a business. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head, at least for me, what the big changeover was, was, was honestly just giving people access to me um, instead of to, you know, a business entity. And I've had a few friends over the years kind of shake me and be like, your strength is in just being able to connect with people. Why are you not doing that? And so I took that seriously and tried to examine everything and realized I definitely do best as far as my ability to do positive things for people or affect people or help or whatever it is, if I can engage with people personally. And so I started trying to move toward areas where I could do that more. Clubhouse is a really great thing for me because it allows me to talk to folks. And then, oh, I'm walking real fast. And then, uh, <laughs> and then when I changed that online presence in order to be, in order to be more personable with the business side of my network rather than just my family and friends, that changed as well. And then also in person. So, um, some of the biggest jumps that I saw in my career have come from in-person networking when I had the chance to go and meet people and get to know them. And I've said this before, but people work with people. And the reason that oftentimes somebody gets hired, like people get really upset about the idea of nepotism. But the simple fact is, if I recommend somebody to somebody who trusts me, there's a bigger chance that they're gonna get hired than a stranger would because humans are social animals and those kinds of things matter to us. We want to work with people we like. We want to work with people who are nice to be around and who make working with them a pleasure and people that we trust. So those in-person opportunities um, absolutely opened up some of the biggest doors that I've had to things like working with brands like Ellen Chrome or working with other companies or working for other companies or freelancing for people or having uh, recommendations from other really well-respected artists in the field who want to send people my way. Like those kinds of things never would have happened for me if I had not gone to networking events to get to know folks. Um, because now they have a face and a presence to put with the online persona that they've seen. And now they feel a lot more comfortable remembering um, and I'm going to pop into their heads a lot faster than I would have if they were just thinking, well, who can I recommend out of my billion and one online friends? I mean, so many people have three, four, five thousand Facebook fans and followers and whatever. How are you going to remember one random photographer out of all of those people unless they're close to you? If you've met them in person, it's a whole different deal. Yes, no, it definitely is because the, the whole purpose of that in-person networking, right, is not just to, you know, throw a wider net, right? It's also to put your face and make your business, like, humanize it. So when we're talking about things like marketing, whether it's online, whether it's paid advertising in print or on Facebook, or we're talking about networking events, like, what are the ways that you guys have found the best response, whether that response is inquiry or simply engaging with others that give you sort of the, the longest stride, if you will, like where can, I know Becca's talked about in the past, like she worked a really hard, worked really well and really hard to build her Instagram following to where that engagement is really high. 
Um, for me, it's coming down to Florida and going to these networking events and getting in front of these people because they're not just going to follow, they're, they're going to go to whoever is directly in front of them. And that, especially in photography, is very true. Unless there is a name behind it that said, hey, you've got to meet my friend Nicole. She's amazing and she's going to create some killer artwork for you. Like when that's not in the equation, you have to create a connection with your audience. So what are some of the best ways you found in doing that? Um, I know David mentioned earlier, like really doing a little legwork ahead of time to discover what their pain points are and speaking their isms so that he can connect with them to be a solution. What are some other ways that you guys have found that work really well for you in that? Relationships. That really is the, the core and the heart of it for me is um, when I show up, I want to be interested in people and I'm not showing up from a mercenary perspective. Of course, I hope, you know, of course, I hope that a healthy business relationship is something that will develop, but I show up with the goal of caring about people and making relationships with people and learning about them and finding out why they do what they do and what makes them tick and um, give, having actual real interest in them. And then eventually at some point they're going to ask me what I do and if we already have a really great connection, then there's a much better chance that I'm going to develop a long-term relationship with that person. Eventually, they're just going to turn my way if I have what they need. But at the end of the day, just honestly showing up for the relationship and not for the potential benefit from it um, is, the biggest, is the biggest thing for me because not only does my life get enriched, but they recognize that I'm not here so that I can eventually take advantage of you. Like if this becomes um, a, a business opportunity for one or both of us in the long run, like that's pretty cool, right? We all love working with our friends if we can, but more than anything is just to have that, that friendship and that connection. And I've been really blessed in that, but that absolutely has been the number one way that I have seen um, stickiness, right? Like yep. that stickiness comes from that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, building relationships by being in service. I mean, when you can do that before anybody even considers paying you a dollar, like that goes so long in building that trust factor. Like if she's going to be this involved in helping me find solutions for my problems and supporting me, imagine what's going to happen when I pay her. Right, like that's a huge deal. David, Becca, Matt. Yeah. So that 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 point actually is kind of where I found a lot of value for myself. So my big kind of marketing shift in my own journey came um, actually from when I went into nightlife because that was so incredibly different of a marketing experience than me just trying to get my little baby photo business off the ground from this, you know, old school, what you learn in school marketing tactics, right? Like worrying about my logo and worrying about running print ads and all that, blah, blah, blah. In nightlife, everything is based around personality and every single thing you do is an aspect of representing that brand. So anytime you post a selfie on your Instagram, that is a marketing act. Anytime you go out to a party, you're not just there to party, you're there to sell that brand and represent that brand. Even if you are just making a personal connection and you don't say anything that sounds like sales, you're still representing the brand and the lifestyle and the look and the experience of the company that you work for. So that was a huge mental shift for me. And essentially then, taking everything that you do, everything that you say, every interaction, every relationship, and coming from that place of service and basically wanting to be like a concierge, if you will. So not just providing a product or, you know, an end, you know, service that you sell, but providing information, providing support, providing some kind of content if you're doing things online that is beneficial to the people who are eventually going to be your clients, uh, even without them having to put money down in the first place, just knowing that you have value to them, maintaining a relationship with you has value to them is going to be so beneficial in the long run because then when they do turn into clients, just like you said, Kat, they just are going to be blown away because they've already received so much from having a relationship with you from the get-go.
I love, I love, I love that you brought around the nightlife component um, and how personality drives because that's true in nightlife and in photo space, right? Or art space, you know, like you craft this archetype and then you leverage that archetype in building those relationships. Like when I bartended, like I was in crazy kimonos and spike belts and covered in glitter and like all of the things. And I was known as like that bartender. The second somebody would be like, oh, I don't remember her name, but she was in this like kimono thing. And they were like, oh yeah, cat. Right. And like, there was this alter ego of me that lived in, in the bar space. Right. Oh, hush. But that still translates as a business owner. Like right now I'm, I'm sitting on a deck in ripped jeans and a giant sweater hanging out with this little Bichon puppy. But when I show up for building those relationships with a local market or I post a selfie online or la 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 la, you can bet your butt I'm showing up in that persona the same way I would have as a bartender, but in the persona of this is Kat, she's a badass photographer, business owner. Um, and that definitely is a way to market. And for a long time, I sat on the sidelines of my life. Like I hadn't seen a dentist in a long time. Like I didn't really wear makeup. I just kind of, you know, lazed about. And if I was dressing up to go to a networking thing, I was wearing like this really kind of just random stuff that I would find at TJ Maxx that I could afford because I wasn't interested in building that persona anymore. And once I remembered, Hey, Kat, this is how this works. You're building a brand and being the front face of the brand, like you got to walk the walk. Um, and so I would encourage everyone to build that persona of their professional self to encourage, like that's going to help people want to know who you are at also, instead of just some random person in the back of the room. I mean, I think that goes back to the old saying, like dress for the job that you want versus the job that you have. Hell right. Yeah. And I, I echo that completely. And I also would expand on that as I would adapt that based on the networking event that I'm going to. Like, obviously, if I'm going to a, a art show of local artists um, that I'm trying to connect with maybe even one individual there, I'm going to dress differently than if I'm going to a launch party for a magazine that almost everybody there is, you know, seven plus figures a year kind of people um, and just adapting that persona and kind of adapting for my audience to basically be like, well, I'm going to meet you where you are from a peer perspective. Um, I think too often in the service industry, we tend to look at ourselves as servants rather than, than peers providing a service. And people can smell that too. So when you walk into a room and you're like, I'm amongst you, I'm of you, I'm the same people as you, only I can do something you can't do. Let's do our magic together. That resonates and lands so well versus I'm timid, I'm scared, I know I don't belong here, or I'm telling myself I don't belong here, or I'm telling myself that these people are wealthier than me. You know, just grab the bull by its horns, dress for the job, own that persona, and make everybody believe that you also have seven figures in your bank account and you're just sitting there uh, doing Photoshop for fun and it's a passion and it's something you're super interested in because it is and everything else will come. Hell yeah. Yeah, there's so many of these stories that, that resonate so much with me as I've kind of reinvented myself career after career, right? From nightlife and then into high tech and then into photography. And yeah, everything that David just said absolutely is how um, I achieve certain success in certain areas by doing that, dressing, doing a little bit of research like uh, Becky and Kat were talking about earlier, knowing the, the group that you're going to be around. All of those things come into play. And I guess I never really thought about it as marketing or you know, putting on a, uh, a mask or a costume or, you know, a face or whatever it is. But I certainly have found that when I give a shit <laughs> about that sort of stuff, it always pays much bigger dividends than if I just kind of rolled in, you know, trying to roll into that, that seven figure plus party in a t-shirt and jeans. Um, 
not knowing who I was, not knowing the audience, not knowing exactly who I was going to be inter interacting with. So, yeah, it's really interesting. I'd never put that into perspective like that before, but it's something that I've always done and always succeeded with. So, yeah, that's just really interesting. To me. I would I would echo one t thing, though, and, and it's just it's minor, Matt, but like I've never considered it putting on a mask or faking it. Um, I've always considered, you know, finding those things that still authentically me that still resonates and connects with the other people because i also think people can smell a fake coming from a mile away so you know you're making sure you're you're not lying but everybody's just assuming that you belong there because you're there um and and you know again like that that research that those conversations help a lot but i think you also need to make sure that you aren't overstepping or or overselling something because Again, I think what people will will smell the fake in the room or smell the rat in the room. But if your intentions are more just like, yeah, you know, I don't know. It didn't matter if I was hanging out with general officers or or millionaires in my world. Everybody puts on their pants the same way. I'm more equalizing you than I'm trying to elevate me. I guess is the way I've. Yeah, and I, I agree with you, David, 100. percent Perhaps that was the the wrong choice of words. But what I meant by it was. You know, if I'm going into a room, it's easier to break down the walls between people when you remove the I look different or I sound different. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm altering myself, but it's just removing any level of boundary between me and you because, yeah, we're all exactly the same. Right. So that's what I meant by that. Even if that's not the way that I dress or do something every day, I can operate in that environment and feel you know comfortably myself. But I think by putting in that effort to present yourself a little bit differently does help break down those barriers and, and helps you belong in that space a little bit more. It eases the pressure on the other person to figure out what you're all about. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think this falls very much in line with the beginning of conversation when we were talking about, um, you know, changing or paying attention to the vocabulary that you use because what you're doing is creating a visual and emotional vocabulary. Um, this is why many, well, like you may see many pop artists or many movie stars or et cetera, et cetera, um, have a really specific style that everyone is used to seeing from them because they're branding themselves in your head. And from an evolutionary perspective, our brain wants to use the least amount of calories possible to figure things out. So we have a lot of shortcuts. We make patterns and we, you know, recognize specific markers. And there are all of these things that we don't think about happening in our brains. And if I can connect, um, you know, certain words or ideas in my head to you as a person, then I get to put you in a box and easily file you away. And of course, that is not fantastic when we're talking about embracing subtlety, but it is really evolutionarily handy for being able to go, okay, um, you know, eccentric artist. Okay, super cool high fashion photographer. Okay, you know, crazy nerdy, uh, you know, hedge witch who <laughs> takes fantasy pictures. Like, you know, those things, we, we really do that to people. And when somebody shows up in a sphere, and they not only are categorizable, um, but they also have something really interesting about them. Our brains just kind of can't help it. And then most of the time, those are the things that we're going to remember and connect to that person until we begin to know them enough that the subtlety starts to show up and we start recognizing and embracing them as a whole person and not just an idea. And what we're doing when we choose words that are suitable to that audience and when we you know choose to present ourselves in a way that um, seems to fit in that space is we're breaking down we're basically saying hey i'm safe i'm another tribe member you don't have to worry about me or be scared also interesting enough to pay attention to um you know file me away for future reference i'm i'm an interesting person you want to remember is really just taking advantage of the way the human brain works and it's uh it's really crazy how often we have no idea that if we understand the way the mind works that is how i mean that's guys this is why big brands pour billions of dollars into 
research um, because they understand that if they can hack into our brains, they can control what we do and they do and we do. And so we can take some of those things and use them for ourselves on a much more personal level and being cognizant of how we speak and how we show up is one of the interesting insert facebook but seriously um one of the things you know like especially when we're talking about like building those personas and showing up for the job you want right um is about being memorable and that goes for any of your marketing effort whether that's in person or online or in print um but also incorporating as many senses as possible, which is why that personal brand for in-person things, right, is so weighted uh, because you are creating a visual aesthetic of a human being that someone can, can physically touch and see, and it's not just something that's printed or in an online thing. That's why video is so powerful because you can incorporate audio into the, the site, right? So you can start layering all of those senses together to have a powerful impression. That's why signature scents are so powerful for people as they build archetypes. Oh, what does that smell like? Oh, wow, that smells like cat. What, what perfume is that? You know, that kind of thing. And when we build all of our marketing efforts around being memorable, incorporating senses, and being present both online and in person, that's when those things start to work like compounding interest. So in order to do that, like there are all of these different little avenues that we have to kind of run down to build. But then once they're built and in motion, it's really just about keeping that momentum, which then takes slightly less effort than, you know, the deadlift in the first place to pick it up off the ground. But once you're there, it's like, oh, okay, I just have to keep this plate spinning. For sure. Um, and of course, we're going to get into some of those particulars, but I know the conversation tomorrow is really going to be centered around how do we figure out? So we know some things that we can personally do. We can pay attention to the way that we speak and make sure that the way that we speak is going to be understandable and desirable to our audience. We can do a lot of personal branding in the way that we show up, in the way that we appear in our online spaces, the kind of content we share, all that good stuff. But the question, I think, let's introduce this now so folks can be thinking about this by tomorrow, Kat, is so once we know these things, how do we start finding our people? Like, how do we figure out who our target audience actually is so that we can target them with this kind of new? Oh, it's about building those archetypes, right? Of those, those ideal people. And it can be a little tougher in the very beginning because you haven't had the experience of working with your ideal client. Um, but I always start with who are you most excited to work with? Who do you love? Like if it's for photo, who do you love shooting for? And for some people that is the mom with young kids, um, for other people that's seniors, for other people that is simply like women over 50, like for other people that is like commercial, spaces right where they're working with larger companies to create these really killer concepts you know like it's defining like what is it that you want to do what jazzes you up the most especially while you're shooting because if you can build out your systems and your process right to really cater to that person and then all of your marketing and everything that you're showing is about the enthusiasm that you have with this this archetype then that's what's going to resonate because your people need to identify themselves in everything that you present, right? So if that is a 40 over 40 campaign, if that is mother daughter, if that is businesses, right? They still have to be able to recognize themselves in whatever it is that you're showing or it won't resonate with them. So determine who do you love shooting the most? What do you adore? Is it maternity? Is it, you know, insert thing here. And then you reverse engineer 
to build out those archetypes. Are they kind? Are they boss? Are they devil wears Prada? Like who, who are you jazzed about? And then we can take it. Awesome. I was just going to say, I mean, you building off of that base archetype is going to be what's really, really, really so important. And we can, you know, of course get into that a little bit deeper, but like, okay. Like I'm uh, you know, middle-class, I guess, millennial mom of young children. I should fit that general demographic for wanting to hire a family portrait photographer. I'm not going to. And that's probably, I mean, I might, maybe, but it would be very specific. And that is based off my buying habits. That's based off my behaviors. It's based on all these kind of inside my head psychological things that are so worth considering when you're trying to build out those archetype profiles for your target client, because those general broad sweeping, like age, where they live, you know, random job title or, you know, lifestyle title, like mom or business owner or whatever is just, just the tip of the iceberg. And, you know, that's only kind of the stuff you see if we're going to use that iceberg kind of model, right? It's the stuff you see on top of the water. It's not all the stuff underneath that, um, you know, is going to hit your ship and then sink you or allow you to go around and keep on floating. Um, so the digging deepest is really going to make or break those archetypes for us. Oh, yes. And that's definitely the meat of what we're going to get into tomorrow. So I'm really glad that we had the chance to introduce that toward the end of the conversation today so that we can all really be prepared for that conversation tomorrow because we talked a lot about like some of the things that work for us and some of our personal branding and like some of the steps that we took that elevated us beyond where we started and now we get to figure out who we're going to aim these efforts at um so i'm i'm really looking forward to that part of the conversation i want to make sure that we have some time oh did we just we just lost him um, I was going to say, I, I want to make sure we have some time to bring up uh, the people with the hands up and then we just lost Ari. So I am sorry about that. If you happen to listen to the replay, Ari, I'm sorry that we lost you. Um, so as we come to the end of the conversation today, let's get some final thoughts around. If we had one big takeaway to give somebody for this initial introduction into marketing, and let's do just one per person. If you had one big takeaway to give folks that they should be paying attention. Okay, I will start. <laughs> um, and, then, uh, and then I'll let you guys follow along. So for me, it would be um, gather information. So if you're running ads, if you are marketing anything, and remember we said marketing is almost everything. Anything that's client facing is marketing, whether that's a selfie or a whatever. Gather that information, y'all. Be keeping track of that stuff. Look at your statistics. Find out what's working. If you post a selfie and it gets a crap ton of engagement and you post you know, a piece of behind the scenes and nobody cares, your current audience is telling you what they want from you by how they're interacting with you. And then you can ask yourself, okay, is that something I want to take advantage of? Maybe when I have a sale, I'm going to post a selfie and give all the information in that, you know, in the, in the information with my call to action or whatever. Um, but if you realize this audience is here for me, not for my work, the 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 numbers are going to tell you that as well where folks engage and the way they engage if you're running ads test them for the love of god don't waste your money test a few find out what works divert all the money to the thing that works test that see how long it's going to last how will it gain traction and who are you talking to keep a record of all this stuff please please write it down know what works, know when it works, on what platform it works, all of those things, because you are going to make your life so much easier and you're going to be able to understand your audience and what they want from you and what they respond to. You're gonna save a lot of money and you're gonna be a lot more efficient with your time. So keep track of the numbers. Don't just throw stuff against the wall find out what actually sticks, ask yourself why it's stuck, look at the numbers so you can, you know, prove it to yourself. 
and then keep track of those stuff and repeat the things that work. I think mine would be, that was amazing, Nicole. Just, I wanted to acknowledge that. I think one of the, the things for me that most resonates is that there's no one way to market, right? Find what works for you. And I think that even within what works for you, there's gonna be multiple variations of that. Um, there's gonna be multiple variations of how you present yourself uh, based on the audience and all of that works. And like Kat said at the very, very beginning of the call, that marketing is in everything that we do. It's not just social media. It's not just print advertising. It is every interaction with every person. We're the face of our brand. So, um, yeah, I think it's just much more um, all over our lives than we think it is. We try to make it one silo in the business, and it's not. It's everything in the business. Don't be scared, Becca. I'm terrified. Uh, no, sorry. I'm getting my kid out the door. Um, I mean, I kind of, I actually, one thing that very much stood out to me uh, today was uh, David's mention of confronting the the magazine owner about, you know, them thinking that he was too expensive. And uh, bye, bud. Bye. Bye. Um, and I, I feel like that that aspect of confrontation is um, really, really something to latch on to, you know, not just with other people that we might be interacting with and thus sharing information and providing a service there and, you know, confronting their own assumptions about things, but also with ourselves. So confronting our own ideas of how, you know, our like how we're perceived, you know, how we can move forward, what marketing even is. So just be ready to challenge yourself and your ideas so you can evolve and move forward is super All right, Miss Kat, end us up today. What's the, the main thing we want to take away from your perspective so we can be all prepared? Um, well, I would say to, to start thinking about, you know, your, your favorite type of client to work with and your favorite thing to shoot. Um, but really understanding that marketing is, well, it is everything that you do, right, which can feel really overwhelming. Um, but it's also a long game right? Like the people that you start connecting with today may not be booking with you for another two, three years. Maybe they need to save up to be working with you, but that doesn't mean you stop speaking to them. So speak to the people that you want to speak to the most with enthusiasm and in service, and then everything else just becomes a math equation. Oof, good stuff. All right, everybody. So first of all, I want to let everybody know before we head out for today that the Artist Forge Scholarship, Mentor Scholarship, provided by the lovely Kat and Atelier Unforgettable, is going to be accepting applications today. So I am going to put up the link to the application in the Facebook group. If you are not a part of the Facebook group, let's grab the link and stick it up here in our. Uh, in our links so that you can get there. But I'm going to be putting that application up there. That will get you an hour of time with a mentor from the Artist Forge. And so we first, huge thanks to Kat for providing that. It's super, super incredible. We're really grateful that people who may not have been able to pick up um, a, a mentor session while they were available still have the opportunity to be able to get some mentoring time with one of the incredible folks up here. So I am pinning the link right now. If you are not a member, please come and join. Um, so that is gonna be up today. So have a look out for that. Um, that is going to last for the next two weeks. So I'll make sure that I put that deadline on there as well, but that's gonna be available for two weeks so you will have plenty of time to apply. Also, um, huge thanks to everybody who participated today. This is a, a pretty complex topic. It's not always super easy to get our hands on. So I'm glad we're spending a couple days. If there's anything about business we really need to know, it's that if you build it, they won't come. You have to go and tell them that you're there. And that's what marketing allows us to do. So, um, 
So we want to be paying attention to the next couple days. I see some familiar faces in the audience today that we're super glad to have here and back. Um, I noticed Jonas. Hello, Jonas. We've missed you here. So really glad to have everybody here today. Please be here tomorrow as we get into the real nuts and bolts of how we find these people so that we can actually market to them. Be here for that. Hope we'll see everybody in the Facebook group, sharing thoughts and resources, making sure that you apply if you're interested in applying. And we will see everyone bright and early tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. That is 6 a.m. for the West Coast, 9 a.m. for the East Coast. And in the meantime, go make something amazing. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks again for listening to this live Clubhouse discussion moderated by all of us at the Artist Forge. We hope you found the information useful and that it helps you gain a little bit of insight as to how you work on your craft. For more episodes, please join us each weekday on Clubhouse or visit theartistforge.com. Now go make something incredible.